Well, good morning, church. How you doing? Uh, you look great. Um, of course, if you don't, nobody's going to really know. But as far as I can tell, you look fantastic. Uh, I got to tell you, I wish you could be here. Man, there is just so much energy in this room, so much power in this room. We've got First Burleson Worship dancers, right? So just it's a small group, but people are worshiping here, getting excited. Of course, they sit down when I get up, but still they're excited and the whole place is exploding. I can't imagine what it would be like if everybody was here. We'd be raising the roof. We might not be able to hold all the energy that's going on inside here. So I know that's translating through the World Wide Web to where you are, and I hope that you sense the power of the Holy Spirit where you are, uh, because he is there, all right? He is with us. We are the church. He's in us and through us. So thank you for tuning in this morning, joining us online. Uh, we had a great 930 traditional service. Uh, as Sam said, I know groups are getting together to uh, join in worship as a life group, saying uh, safely distance from one another and keep, keeping all the precautions in place. And that's just a great reminder. Uh, now that we're able to get out a little bit more and the stay in place, uh, shelter in place is over. Uh, just, just to remind you though, we still need to keep our distance and wear our masks and wash our hands and use hand sanitizer. The virus is not gone, it's still there. And so these next two weeks are crucial for our state uh, as our governor has said, to see if there's a rise in cases. And so the way we can help prevent that is keeping those precautions in place, even though we're getting out a little bit more than we were, which is a great thing. We want to continue to be able to do that, which I know leads to a lot of questions for the church. When are we going to be able to get back together? And we've been talking about this for weeks, praying about it, just kind of wrestling through what that might look like. And I know a lot of churches are doing it differently. Uh, in fact, we have a, a internet meeting today with our trustees to kind of solidify our plan. And we'll be communicating that here very shortly. But just know this, we're going to do whatever is the safest that we can do to keep people safe uh, and, and be able to be the church. That's very important. Uh, I was reading a list of a church that was going to come back together here next Sunday. And just the list of things that we're going to have to do, it just seemed very sterile very mechanical. I don't know they would have the same feel. And I'm, I'm looking forward to that first day back together to be a huge celebration. Uh, you know, if the distance is lifted and we can, can hug each other, it's going to be hard to come to church and not shake hands and hug necks and high fives. So we just want to put all that into a consideration of when can we come back together and really be a huge boost and the momentum, momentum builder as we continue on and to the days ahead. But in the meantime, keep joining us online, sharing with your friends. As Sam said, we had two people accept Christ online today through our traditional service and countless more. I'm, I don't know if they'll ever know all the numbers of people are going to come to Christ because they've watched a church service on the internet. But I appreciate you joining us and, and gathering. I see your names here. Doug's with us. Uh, Ricardo, Kathy's here. Uh, Sandra here. Uh, Doug, Christy's with us. Uh, Donna's here, Clayton. So uh, it's cool to see you guys say hello to one another and wish happy birthday. Some people having birthdays. Uh, checking in on one another, um, doing some amens and say that's, and giving applause and a welcome to our new members, our 14 new members. So that's cool. Keep doing that. Yes, it's okay to write notes in virtual church, right? So we can share, talk to one another as we're going through. And throughout the message today, like last Sunday, I have some questions that I'll pose to you. And I appreciate you just writing your answers in the comment section so we can kind of share and hear what's going on in each other's lives in regard uh, to these questions. But um, it is an exciting time. It's a weird time, it's a different time, but it's a very powerful time. And I know there are a lot of questions about even the church, what's going on, what are we doing? And so I just wanna to report to you, our church is doing very well. 
God is blessing us and using us in incredible ways. Uh, just to, to let you know that we are continuing to minister, as you can imagine, the needs of our community are growing. The needs of our church members are growing. So again, as Sam said, thank you for your generosity. In the month of March and the month of April, both months, we actually gave more than our budget required. Which, to be honest with you, you haven't, we haven't done all year. We haven't done in the whole budget year until now. And so we were getting a little bit concerned even about the level of giving in our church. And now to see our church step up and give above and beyond so that we can continue to be the church, continue to serve, continue to meet the needs through promises and the needs of our own members. As people continue to lose jobs, continue to get sick, uh, it's just overwhelming. As a pastor, I am so encouraged. And if I can say this, I am so proud of our church and how we've responded to this. Just the stories of how you're loving on one another, caring for one another, checking in, yard signs, uh, sidewalk chalk, phone calls. Man, it's just a beautiful thing to see the church be the church. And my prayer is that we continue. Once this pandemic is over, once there's a cure, that we don't slow down. I think this is a huge opportunity for us to really change the world. Uh, God has created some opportunities for his church to be the voice of truth and hope. And so to be honest, uh, I'm a, a little concerned maybe that when this pandemic is over, we have a temptation to go back to the way things were. God forbid that we go back to the way it used to be. Not that there was anything wrong with it. There was good stuff. But I think we've learned so much more, experienced so much more. I think our hearts have been broken for people, which is awesome, which is what the church is supposed to be. And I pray that we don't slow down. We just ramp up even more. How we can care for one another, how we can show the love of Christ for those who are far from God and just see the church explode. Right? We talk a lot about how many people are on campus. That's cool. That number may not matter so much anymore. How many people are we influencing because of the internet, because of what has happened in this pandemic? So God is doing great things, amazing things, and they're just going to continue. Because even when the virus is over, even if a cure is discovered, the ramifications, the economic impact, the job loss, those things are going to continue for months, maybe years ahead of us. And we need to continue to be able to minister. And we can do that because you serve and because you give. So keep it up. Way to go, church. You're doing a great job. I know we want to get back together, and we look forward to that day, but we're doing really well uh, in this pandemic. So keep it up. Keep praying. Keep serving. Let us know if we can help you. And so I just want to encourage you today, and just to think about this. We have started last week the book of Joshua, and look there at chapter 1, where God enlisted Joshua to go into the promised land to lead the people of Israel. And he had that great pep talk. And his, the, the phrase that he kept repeating to Joshua is, be strong and courageous. And when you read that in chapter 1, it is a command, not a suggestion. It is a command. It's a command for us to be strong and courageous as the church of God. And so today I want us to look at that experience when Joshua is about to go over to bring the people of God into the promised land across the Jordan and how God had prepared them for this moment and he's leading them through this moment. And I just keep thinking about that phrase, be strong and courageous. Man, what a, what a great statement for us as the church during this time. And I'm just reminded that, of course, being a Texan, born and raised in Texas, have a love for Texas, uh, Texas history. Just remember uh, the Alamo. If you've been to San Antonio and see the Alamo, I love to go down there and see uh, that monument to a great experience in the history of Texas, where that small band of soldiers fought against an 
incredible odds, a great, the Mexican army that had come to defeat them. And all those people in the Alamo lost their lives. They gave the ultimate sacrifice. And though they didn't win that battle, it gave Sam Houston time enough to form another army up in San Jacinto that ultimately defeated that army, captured Santa Ana, and won a great victory for the state of Texas. But if you remember, before they fought that battle to San Jacinto, Sam Houston led the army in a chant, uh, in a victory cry, remember the Alamo. So as a Texan, I relate to this statement, be strong and courageous. As the church, this is what God is saying to us. We have no reason to fear. We are not weak because he is strong. We move and breathe and live in power and strength. And I know there are days it doesn't feel like it, but aren't you glad that feelings aren't facts? (laughs) The fact is we are victorious. And so if you have your Bible, I invite you to open to Joshua chapter 3. I want to read the first uh, verses 2 through 4. Joshua chapter 3, as we see that God is preparing his people. I mean, tomorrow is the day for them. Tomorrow is the day that God is going to lead them into the land that he promised their father Abraham hundreds of years before. And this is how God prepares them. Joshua chapter 3, verse 2. The Bible says, after three days, the officers went throughout the camp, giving orders to the people. When you see the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord your God and the Levitical priest carrying it, you are to move out from your position and follow it. Then you will know which way to go, since you've never been this way before. But keep a distance, about 2,000 cubits, between you and the Ark. Do not go near it. So here God gives some very simple instructions to the leaders. And Joshua, as a great leader, understood something. It's important to surround yourself with other leaders. Joshua knew it wasn't just up to him. He had to instill power and empower other leaders to do this. And so these officers are going around the camp telling the people, get ready, because tomorrow we're going in. Tomorrow we're entering the danger, right? And that's one of the principles. That's one of our value statements. Leaders enter the danger. And so God is calling Joshua and the people of God to enter into this danger. It is the land that God promised them, but there are a lot of battles they're going to have to fight because there are pagan people that inhabit God's promised land, and they're going to have to defeat them and move them out. So it's not a cakewalk for these people. They've got to be ready. They've got to be strengthened. And so God is calling them to enter into the danger. He's calling the leaders first to take the lead. Now, if you've ever had an experience where you had to enter into the danger, maybe it was a critical conversation with someone, or or maybe there was a difficulty, or maybe there was a worldwide pandemic that you had to walk into, you can understand that even as a leader, you get anxious, you get concerned. And the Bible doesn't tell us about Joshua's emotions at this moment, but it had to be pretty heavy. Maybe he was a little nervous about this whole experience because they were about to cross over. And so now finally that generation who refused to go in had passed away and Joshua was to lead a new generation. So this means he had to be sharp, he had to be alert, he had to be ready because people were looking to him of how he was going to respond through this difficulty, through this struggle from every step forward they were watching him. Now Joshua understood something, a valuable principle of a leader. A leader needs to know when to follow. And certainly Joshua understood the importance of following God And by his example, the people were ready. They were prepared to be able to follow God, even though God's plan at that point didn't seem to be very sensible. To cross the Jordan at this time didn't seem to make sense. But the Lord would lead them. He told Joshua, and Joshua and the officers told the people that God would lead them. 
So God wasn't dependent upon Joshua and his strength to get the people in the promised land. God was going to do that. He even said, I've made a way. I've made a way for you because you've never been here before. You've never experienced this before. You don't know what's ahead of you, but you can trust me. I've already carved out a path. Man, what a great word for us going through this pandemic. I mean, things are lessening for us. Things are beginning to slack a little bit, but we still have no idea what's ahead. These next two weeks, we don't know if there's going to be a rise in cases or not. We don't know what the next weeks, months, and years will look like, but God does. And he's promised us he's already carved out a path for his church. All we have to do is follow him. And here's the key. The officers told the people, when you see the Ark of the Covenant move, follow. When it moves, you move. In other words, when God moves, you move. The Ark of the Covenant is given great description. In fact, it is mentioned 17 times in chapter 3 and 4 of Joshua because it was the symbol, it was the icon, it was the presence of God. God's presence dwelt over the Ark of the Covenant. As long as they had the Ark of the Covenant, they had the presence and the power of God. And so it gave them strength and courage to be able to fulfill God's command to be strong and courageous. Again, God wasn't relying on the people to muster up their own strength and courage. He said, I will give it to you. My presence will provide it for you. Just follow. Trust me. Believe in me when I say go, go. And so Exodus 25 gives us the description and the contents of the Ark of the Covenant. And the Ark of the Covenant was, was beautiful. It was ornate. It was covered in gold. There were two gold angels on top. It had rings on both sides to put poles through because you weren't allowed to touch the Ark of the Covenant that represented the presence of God because it was too holy. It was too sacred. And so he prepared everything so you could carry this as a representation of God. In Exodus 25, 22, God says this to the people. There above the cover between the two cherubim that are over the Ark of the Covenant law, I will meet with you and give you all my commands for the Israelites. So this was kind of the precursor to the Holy of Holies where God would meet with the priests, God would meet with the leaders. His presence would be there with the Ark of the Covenant. So they would go to meet him there and give instructions and receive instruction from God and know how to follow. In fact, if you go back to Joshua 1.9, God's promise of the command, be strong and courageous, is I will always be with you. Well, the Ark of the Covenant, that symbolized the fulfillment of that promise that God would be with them and would always be with them and they would be strong and be courageous. So here's a question. How have you seen God move in your life recently? How have you seen God show himself during this pandemic? And how have you responded? And like this Ark of the Covenant, are there some items in your life that remind you of God's goodness? Remind you that God is with you. Maybe it's a family Bible or your grandmother's Bible, or maybe it's a cross in your house, or maybe it's a necklace you wear. Some some symbol, some item that you have that every time you see it, you're just reminded, God is with me. He has promised he will never forsake me. Well, for the Israelites, that symbol, that image, that icon was the Ark of the Covenant. And it gave the people strength. And there was no doubt of who was leading. Verse 4 says, stay at a distance. This distance measured out would have been about half a mile away. They were to stay half a mile away from the ark, so there was no danger of falling and touching it. But it was also evident of who was leading. There was no doubt that it wasn't all up to Joshua 
Joshua was just to be obedient and follow God. God was the one leading the people of Israel into the promised land. That's what gave people strength and what gave people courage. Look at verse 5 of chapter 3. Joshua told the people, consecrate yourselves, for tomorrow the Lord will do amazing things among you. Well, God is doing amazing things among us now, and he has been through this whole pandemic, and he's going to do even more tomorrow. But it's interesting, Joshua said that you are to consecrate yourselves because tomorrow God is going to do great things. Second principle about being a leader. And I just want you to know, God has called you to be a leader if you're a Christ follower. You may be leading yourself, you may be leading a family, you may be leading a business, whatever, God has given you influence. And the other thing about leaders is leaders expect great things from God. I hope that even during this difficult time, you are expecting God to do great things. When we come out of this, that God is doing and going to continue to do great things in us and through us and use his church. This was the expectation of Joshua. And so his leadership is based not just necessarily only on following a vision, but it required mental, physical, and spiritual preparation. I really believe this is what God is doing, that he has stripped away so much of what we hold dear and rely on because he is preparing us for what is next. I think God has slowed us down during this pandemic, caused us to reorganize our priorities, making him number one, because he is about to do something that we have never seen before. I mean, he's just allowed something we've never experienced before, a worldwide pandemic. He is not going to waste this crisis. And that's a challenge for us. Let's not waste this crisis either. Let's, let's depend upon God like we've never depended on him before. Let's learn and grow in understanding what that means. And let's, let's patiently await what he's going to do. And when we see God move, let's follow him. When we see the ark move, let's follow him. Whether it makes sense or not, whether it seems possible or not, let's do what he's doing. Let's follow his lead. And this is what God is saying to Joshua. There was that expectation. If you ever studied the experiencing God material, that's one of the principles, right? When you see God move, follow him. And God always reveals what he's going to do to his people. Maybe it's one person like Joshua initially. Maybe it's a group of people. Maybe it's a church. Maybe it's a denomination. God reveals himself to his people. And his revelation is always an invitation. What God is revealing to us about who he is and what he's doing is an invitation for us, his church, to join him. Just like Joshua, we don't have to map it out. We just have to follow God and trust him. And so he is revealing these things to us, again, stripping away all these distractions so that we can focus on him because he has something he wants us to do. So our job, our prayer is, Lord, show us what that is. And the Bible's clear. He's not a God of confusion. He's going to lay this out for us. We trust him one step at a time, but we move and we move forward. Because when he reveals his plan, that's when it's time to obey. Now, if you're sitting there thinking, well, there's no way that God can do anything significant in my life. I'm, I'm just trying to endure this whole experience and get through it. If that is your attitude, that really says more about your belief in God than it does about your belief in you. Because if you don't think God is strong enough and powerful enough to use you, then you greatly underestimate God. You greatly diminish his power and understanding of who he is. Because God can use you. 
If we'll just be obedient to him. This is a time of confession and repentance, turning away from our sin, from our false gods to follow the one true God. He's given us time to pause, to focus on this and look inside our lives, just like he did here for the people of, of Israel. And then he tells them to cross over the Jordan. Now, the Jordan is at flood state, as Scripture tells us. It didn't make sense to cross the Jordan at this time, but it was vital that they follow God. It seemed like a barrier, but barriers are nothing to God. Now, just because there's a barrier in your life doesn't necessarily mean you're going the wrong way. A lot of people talk about God will open a door or God will open a window, but sometimes he leaves them shut. And he says, just wait right here. And I'm about to explode this door. I'm about to shatter this door. I'm about to shatter this window. So when you go through, there's no explanation other than God did this. And first of all, the people had to consecrate themselves to be ready. So here's a, a description of what it means to be consecrated, what it means to be spiritually ready for what God has in front of us. It means we're spiritually purified. Our sins are confessed and forgiven. Our hatreds and our prejudice are all laid aside. That love and fellowship among the body of believers is restored. That anything that would block the flow of ministry and grace is removed from our lives. And again, God has put, pushed pause on the entire world so we have time to think about these things and focus on these things. Now verse, look at verse 11 through 17 of chapter 3. See, the ark of the covenant of the Lord of all the earth will go into the Jordan ahead of you. Now then, choose 12 men from the tri tribes of Israel, one from each tribe. As soon as the priests who carry the ark of the Lord, the Lord of all the earth, set foot in the Jordan, its waters flowing downstream will cut off and stand up in a heap. So when the people broke camp to cross the Jordan, the priests carrying the ark of the covenant went ahead of them. Now the Jordan is at flood stage all during harvest, yet as soon as the priest who carried the ark reached the Jordan and their feet touched the water's edge, the water from upstream stopped flowing. It piled up in a heap a great distance away at a town called Adam in the vicinity of Zarethan. While the waters flowing down to the Sea of Arabah, that is the Dead Sea, was completely cut off. So the people crossed opposite Jericho. The priest who carried the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord stopped in the middle of the Jordan and stood on dry ground while all Israel passed until the whole nation had completed the crossing on dry land. Here's another miracle reminiscent of the Red Sea when Moses led the people of Israel across the Red Sea. Now it's interesting here if you realize this is the Jordan River. Joshua is about to cross the Jordan River. The Jordan River is where Jesus was baptized, where he began his earthly ministry. So this is a significant spot for Joshua, a precursor to the Messiah, Jesus, who would lead us all to freedom. You remember Moses crossed the Red Sea, which was a sign of deliverance of slavery from Egypt. Joshua leads the people across the Jordan, signifying receiving an inheritance. It wasn't up to Joshua to conquer the land. He was just to receive the land by being obedient to God and what he called him to do. So here's the scene. The priests with the Ark of the Covenant, they step foot into the water. As soon as they do, the water upstream stops and it clears and it's on dry land. But these priests had to first step into the water. That's faith, right? I mean, they had to be asking themselves, are you sure? <laughs> Is this the right thing to do? This, this river's flooded, yet you want us to step in? Hey, leaders so many times have to step into the water. We have to go first. We have to step in when it doesn't make sense. 
Right? So it took faith for them to move forward in that water. But as soon as they did, the minute their feet touched the water, Scripture says, the water dried up. Miles away, upstream, the water stopped. And those priests with the Ark of the Covenant, representing the presence of God, stood there in the middle of the Jordan as every Israelite, men, women, boys, and girls, crossed over. Leaders go first. In fact, here's another question. What are some things you've experienced for the first time because of this pandemic? What are some of the things you've experienced that you never dreamed you would ever experience? Share some of those in the comments and let's see how you've responded to them. How has this impacted your life? So here are the priests standing with the Ark of the Covenant, holding it, watching all the Israelites pass by. And they stood their ground. They stood strong, even though they could probably hear the water back behind them, wondering, is it going to release and drown us? And they knew if they tried to run with the Ark of the Covenant, they'd never make it if the water broke free. So they had to stand there in faith until every last person was over. Now, they may, may have been saying, hey, could you guys hurry up a little bit? You know, come on, can you, guys, can you guys run across a little bit? But regardless, they stood there, they stood in the gap. See, a failure in leadership is a failure to stand one's ground. We, we stand on solid ground, right? Even though the world is chaotic, and when we fail, it's when we start to try to do things on our own or we start to panic and we start to try to fix the situation on our own. So look at chapter 4. Look at verse 10. Now the priest who carried the ark remained standing in the middle of Jordan until everything the Lord had commanded Joshua was done by the people just as Moses had directed Joshua. The people hurried over, and as soon as all of them had crossed the ark of the Lord, and the priest came to the other side while the people watched. The men of Reuben, Gad, and the half-tribe of Manasseh crossed over, ready for battle in front of the Israelites, as Moses had directed them. About 40,000 armed for battle crossed over before the Lord to the plains of Jericho for war. That day the Lord exalted Joshua in the sight of all Israel, and they stood in awe of him all the days of his life, just as they had stood in awe of Moses. Then the Lord said to Joshua, command the priests carrying the Ark of the Covenant of the law to come up out of the Jordan. So Joshua commanded the priests come out of the Jordan, and the priests came up out of the river carrying the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord. No sooner had they set their feet on dry ground than the waters of the Jordan returned to their place and ran at flood stage just like before. So here we see they stand in the middle. And at that moment, as Joshua has led the people, that solidified Joshua as their leader. Moses had been their leader. He had been their trusted leader from before. But now it was Joshua's turn. The mantle had been passed to Joshua. And at that moment, because he had led the people through a crisis, across a barrier, through the power and strength of God, he became the leader. No doubt that they could trust their leader. During this pandemic, there are so many that are rising to the occasion. God is raising up leaders. God is raising up leaders in our church to stand in the gap for others. It is a time for leaders to stand up and stand out just like this experience, and so many people are doing it, and so many people are faithful to rest and rely on the power of God. And so these priests stood there, and they experienced this occasion where God had provided and protected them, and they stood their ground because they understood that standing and waiting for God to move is essential in winning a battle. We're so anxious for this pandemic to be over. But we need to be still. We need to trust in the Lord. We don't want to move too soon. We don't want to move without him. 
But the minute he moves, we follow where we can't panic. And then Joshua, the rest of this story, commands 12 men to bring stones out of the middle of the Jordan. And they go to the first city and they build an altar that every time that the Israelites would come by that altar with those 12 stones stacked on top of one another, it was an occasion for the parents to share with their children what happened on that day. It was an occasion for the parents to tell their children how mighty God is. Man, we don't have 12 stones, but we have an occasion to tell the world how powerful our God is. Just by our countenance, just by how we are handling this situation, just by our conversation, by our attitude, by, our, by the looks on our faces, we have an opportunity to share with the world the power of our God. We are building a spiritual altar. One reason, because our children are watching us. They're learning what it means to live a life of faith by watching us handle this situation, by watching us handle it when we lose our job, by watching us handle it when we hear about the cases and the deaths and all the negative stuff that's happening in this world. But yet we are strengthened. Not that we don't have bad moments and bad days, but even in the midst of that, we are strong because our reliance is upon God. So this day, God called Joshua to lead the people across the Jordan. He called the Israelites to follow, to follow the ark, to follow their leaders. And he called the priests to stand in the gap until every last Israelite was on dry ground. And as soon as the priests got onto the shore, the waters came back at flood stage. Why? <laughs> All pointing to the glory of God. There's no other explanation of why that happened except God did it. I think God is doing the same thing for us. I think God is calling the church to lead. We are being called by God to lead out and, and bringing a sense of calmness, a sense of hope in this pandemic. He is leading us to follow him, to follow his way, to follow his path, not our own, but to follow him. And he's calling us as a church to stand in the gap for the rest of the world, to stand in the gap for those who are far from God, who do not believe in God, who do not, have not experienced the love of God to stand in the gap, to love them, to pray for them, but to share with them to the ends of the earth that our God is a good God. Our God is a merciful God. Our God is all powerful. There is no pandemic. There is no virus. There is no enemy. There is no army that is greater than our God. Because of that, we live in strength and power. We don't have to run away. We can stand strong and stand firm. And that's what the world needs to hear. So here's my challenge to you. Today, tomorrow, just in the next couple of days, just to make a list. What is it that you need from God to lead yourself, your family, and others through this pandemic? What is it that you need to experience from the Lord? Just a reminder that will provide courage for you. Maybe it's 12 stones. Maybe it's to cross a river. I don't know. What do you need right now from God to help you lead yourself and others through this pandemic that we might be more strengthened and more encouraged because of what happened. Make a list of those things and ask God to deliver them to you. And I believe that he will. Let's pray. God, we thank you that you are leading us through this, that this pandemic was not a surprise for you, but this is a wake up call for your church to put our feet where her mouth is, to not only talk the talk, but walk the walk in front of others, to share with our neighbors, to see our street as a mission field, 
God, through this pandemic, many of us have been introduced to neighbors we've never met before. People who live down the street, maybe live across the street, maybe next door to us, we've never met before, but now we have because we've been called out to take the lead in bringing a calmness to people's lives, to bring a message of hope, whether it's riding on their sidewalk or putting a sign in their yard or waving at them or introducing ourselves or providing food or providing resources for them. There's countless ways that we have that you have given us to be the church. Father, we wanna be strong. We wanna stand in the gap for those that Jesus died to save. He died to save the world. And the world is in chaos. The world is seeking. The world is reaching. And then so many don't even realize what they're looking for is you. But we know. And we've been called to tell. And God, I pray if there's anyone watching this live stream or will watch the replay that has never given their life to you, that, that the moment that they watch this, the moment that they hear this part of the sermon, that they would give their lives to you. God, that they would admit that they need you in their life. That they would turn away from their sin and turn away from their own path and trust you and follow you. That they would confess their sins and confess their need for you. God, we ask you to save. You are a saving God. You are a rescuing God. And I pray right now in this moment, whenever this moment happens, that many would be rescued, that many would come to faith because they've experienced you in a new way. They put their hopes in other gods that have let them down. I pray that they would know intellectually, experientially right now that you will never let them down. You will never go back on a promise. You will never leave them abandoned. If they will accept your son, they will never be condemned for their sins, but they will be set free to live a life. Even in the midst of a pandemic, they can have joy and peace and comfort. And Father, may we not just say it on Sunday mornings. May we as your church say it every moment of every day. The world needs to hear that you are love. We pray this in power because we pray it in the name of Jesus. Amen.